0: Hey y'all and welcome back to Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. I'm your host, Lacey Dunn, future registered dietitian, here to spread the scientific knowledge in the realms of fitness and nutrition. Today we have a question and answer session and I'm so excited to get this thing started. So let's hop right into those questions and get them answered for you guys. And we are ready to go. So these questions are stemming from the questions that I got on my Instagram at Faith and Fit. So if you put a question and you asked a question, I am doing my best to get to every single one in this podcast. In the podcast description, that is where you will see the topics and the questions that I will be going over. So let's jump right in to number one, and that was when to switch up your macros in a prep or fat loss phase. Now I have have to first off say that this depends on the person, how long they have been dieting, what they need, etc, etc. So it's very individualized, but I'm going to kind of go over the certain times that you can and how to adjust. So I like to keep things the same for at least two weeks starting out. If you are not seeing progress after two weeks, then that is when normally I will take either 20 grams of carbs off or I will take 5 grams of fat off. Um, and then potentially instead of doing that, I will add in, say, a 10-minute hit session or instead add in a 20-minute list session or just extend list sessions that are already there by 10 minutes. Um, I also have to make sure and I always make sure that I look at a variety of factors for that specific individual. So I make sure I see how they're sleeping, how they're feeling with their energy, um, what their meal plan looks like. So maybe they are incorporating you know too many um, fun foods into their diet which can actually throw off your weight loss because the FDA does not have a rigid regulation on the foods that we eat. Be off by about 15 to 20 percent. So say I have a person who is having a protein bar every single day or having um, a thing of like cracker snacks like a quick snack thing um, that That can be off by 20%, which means that if it is a 300-calorie meal that they're having, they could be under or over 60 calories every single day, and that can potentially add up and make a difference along with, you know, if they miss their cardio session or something. So the first thing I do is make sure I look at um, the internal factors and Then I look at external factors. So, to reiterate, what I do is I look at potentially things that they can adjust in their daily life, make sure that they did their job. Um, And then I go into the things that we could adjust to make that weight loss or progress happen. Now, sometimes somebody is not progressing. Like they don't think they are progressing and they actually are because changes, you don't only see changes in weight on the scale. The scale is definitely not what you have to stick to. You need to make sure that you are looking at your um, body and your physique and that's why it's super important to have a coach because, you know, we as individuals are so, we always, you know, critique ourselves and I know for me, I'll look at myself in the mirror and I'm like, all right, so... I look flat today or I look tiny today but really I'm just it's like water and water adjustments that can easily happen so don't stick to just the weight and know that physique changes as well I have gotten from a lot of my coaching experience I and I can see like in the muscles the difference between being flat versus they Flat or um, there being a lot of water and bloat versus fat gain. So it's very important to have a coach to be able to look at that um, objective information. Sometimes you just have to stay the course. Hold on to what you're doing. And mostly in that case, that's what people have to do is just stay consistent. Uh, Consistency is key. And I promise it may feel like, you know, you're not dropping anything and, oh my God, I need to cut all this. I need to cut food. I need to add cardio. No, most of the time, what I do is keep people consistent, most of the time. Um, And then another thing that can happen is somebody needs a refeed. They are plateauing. It's because their leptin levels, their hormone levels are downregulated. So we throw to refeed in order to upregulate those um, receptors and that helps with not only energy and um, consistency and psychological factors but also those physiological factors. So, And normally people, when I throw in refeeds they either, um, they'll spike in weight because of the carb intake, carbs you know, hold on to water and then they'll drop weight or some people that will just like straight up drop like 2 pounds after their refeed so it's very individualized. So that is my mini spiel on how to adjust, when to adjust, and that is again going to change for every single person. So that was how to adjust for fat loss or a prep. So let's go into lean muscle gains. So in order to build muscle, you don't have to go into a full bulk. You don't have to gain a lot of body fat in order to build muscle. However, some individuals are able to put on more muscle in better better perform in the gym when they're at a higher body fat and that is why it's normally better to gain some body fat post show in order to perform your gym in the best feel your best and be able to build that muscle but you do not have to bulk on 20 20 pounds of fat in order to gain muscle so in order to gain muscle you just need to be in a caloric surplus and have resistance training so if you want to gain lean muscle that is a slow lean gain of muscle my suggestion is to stick to a 100 to 200 calorie a day surplus and reducing cardio as much as possible I normally suggest not doing any cardio if you're trying to build some people can build muscle doing some hit but normally I suggest keeping that out so that's a 100 to 200 calorie surplus people who are advanced trainees I mean like super advanced five years plus of training can do a lean gain and gain um, a little bit of muscle each month on 50 calories extra a day now This is because they are highly advanced to training and to dieting, and um, it's a lot harder as an advanced lifter to put on muscle. Somebody who is a beginner or even an intermediate can put on, let's say, maybe one to two pounds a month, Um, and then somebody who is an advanced lifter sometimes is a struggle to put on half a pound a month. So it's individualized. Some people put on muscle a lot easier than others and don't have to be in that much of a caloric surplus. Some people have to eat um, an excessive amount of calories to even put on muscle. So, my suggestion there, keeping cardio minimum, doing that 100 to 200 calorie surplus. Um, if you just want to be careful, maybe do the 100 calorie surplus. See if you're gaining muscle um, and look for about a 0.25. So that's a fourth of a pound to half a pound of um, gain per, I would say, per week around. You may not go up every single week in weight, but um, if you're pushing yourself in the gym, if your weights are progressing and going up, so make sure you have a progressive overload plan, then you should be good to go. Next topic is salt and sugar intake. So let's start with sugar. So somebody who has a higher caloric intake than another individual can take more sugar in their diet than the other. And sugar is not bad in the diet. Sugar comes in natural sources such as carrots and even broccoli, so sugar is not bad what you want to do is limit added sugars and this is because they don't have any nutrient value so you want to try and keep your carbs in your diet as nutritious as possible in order to get your micronutrients and your vitamins and minerals in the diet without going over your caloric intake with the sugar so um Say somebody has only 1,600 calories a day versus somebody who has 2,000 calories a day. The person who has 2,000 calories a day can take more sugar because they have more extra calories that they can have for that sugar while eating their correct micros and vitamins and minerals versus the 1600 calorie person who's going to have to be a little more careful with those um, non-nutritious sugar calories and has to try and fill them mostly with those nutrient-dense foods. So my suggestion is trying to keep maybe 50 grams of sugar a day. Um, Dietary Guidelines for Americans suggests around that. So that's my typical suggestion. I can't lie. I go over that. Let me look and see what mine says because I know I I need to be the part but I don't always follow that um so today I'm at 39 and then other day I was at like 60 grams so it's okay to be over or under. Just I kind of just give around the 50 gram suggestion. With salt intake, um, my suggestion is sticking to 2,300 milligrams and that's 2,300 milligrams a day. You can go a little bit over, you can go a little bit under. Just make sure that you are balancing your potassium intake as well as your water intake. Sodium is extremely important in the body. It is necessary for a variety of metabolic, metabolic functions, including including Vasoconstriction and vasodilation for your muscles and muscle um, c- and nerve conductivity. So, make sure that you are getting in a salt intake that works for you and not going too over because then that can lead to hypertension. So, that is that on sugar and salt intake. Going into the ideal protein supplement um, protein ratio. So, there have been a variety of studies that have looked to see if, you know, whey, hydrolyzed whey versus a cake versus a casein whey blend versus a vegan protein. So with whey the biggest thing is going to be you know ultimately going to be just the protein itself. So making sure that protein is bioavailable and can be readily digested to be uptaked into your tissues. Um, it has shown that whey protein by itself, whey isolate or a casein whey blend is best. Now this is because whey digests quickly and is uptake right into your tissues and then the casein whey blend does that as well but then it provides a um, delayed response to the protein into your tissues that way you are having constant inflow of that um, amino acids into your muscles. So the science on that is um, there's different studies and there I don't really have a specific answer for that, but my suggestion is gonna be either a casein whey blend or a um, whey isolate, But you're going to be fine eating any protein source that's ready bioavailable. So that's like chicken, turkey, any of that stuff, egg whites, is going to be fine and better than something that's like eggs or beans. So stick to something readily bioavailable and then you are good to go. Next we will go into carbs and the best carbs for your body. So I genuinely am a huge fan of whole grains versus a refined grain. And then there is simple versus um, complex carbs. So let's go into grains. Grains have two categories of whole grains versus refined grains. Whole grains contain the entire grain kernel, which includes includes the bran the germ and the endosperm and the germ is responsible for most of the nutrients phytochemicals and the healthy fats while the bran is an excellent source of fiber minerals and then b vitamins for most of the time Um, whole grains examples include oatmeal brown rice whole wheat flour whole wheat breads popcorn and bulgur and then refined grains are seen um, those are the ones without the bran and the germ that have been removed during milling Um, Actually, when a lot of this happens um, for a lot of products like cereals, um, those nutrients are added back in and that is why you see, you know, a lot of folate being added into s- breakfast cereals because, you know, the U.S. population used to be low in folate. That is thankfully not happening anymore, but um, that's why you see a lot of added nutrients in those breakfast cereals. Um, Going back to refined grains. Refined grains are ones without the bran and the germ, and this alters the grain's nutrient profile, which changes its effects on blood glucose as well as digestion in the body. So, many refined grains are enriched with those vitamins and minerals to add back the nutrients that they lost in milling, or add additional nutrient benefit to the product. And examples of refined grains include, you know, refined breakfast cereals, white breads, white flowers, white rice, and then many desserts and pastries. So whole wheat versus refined grains metabolize quite differently in the body as well as their effects on digestion and all this is influenced by a meal's total dietary components. So for example the fiber within the bran of the whole grains helps to slow the digestion of starch into glucose helping to maintain a steady blood sugar level when it's eaten. And then the fiber also helps to lower your blood cholesterol and remove waste in the digestive tract including excess estrogen in the body. Um, Refined grains tend to have less fiber and digest and spike glucose at a faster rate, which can, can cause issues for people who deal with either insulin resistance or have like type 2 or type 1 diabetes. But when digested with a fat source, this fat allows to slow digestion and better stabilize those blood glucose levels in the body. So my suggestion for people is typically sticking to whole wheat sources, um, complex carbs throughout the day, just because this is better for um, insulin and better for blood glucose levels. And when you spike blood blood glucose, you also can um, cause your blood glucose to drop rapidly. And this causes an increase in ghrelin, which is a hunger hormone, making you feel hungry, as well it causes changes in your cortisol levels. So I suggest doing whole wheat sources, um, not whole wheat, um, whole grain sources throughout the day and then sticking to your refined grains or your simple carbohydrates that spike glucose better when you have better insulin sensitivity. So that's pre-workout or post-workout. However, what's going to ultimately matter? is going to be your carb intake throughout the day your caloric intake throughout the day so if you don't have insulin resistance you don't have diabetes you don't need to worry about you know eating skittles versus a sweet potato obviously a sweet potato has a lot more micronutrients vitamins and minerals than skittles but the skittles are not just going to make you fat So that is my spiel on carbs. You know, somebody asked about a topic of meal timing, and I went over that in my most recent podcast on advanced nutrition. So check that out. Um... I want to go into the next topic somebody asked about, and that is the finances of competing. So competing is very, very expensive. I'm just gonna lay it out for what a regional versus kind of a national show would be. So you first have your coach, which can range from 150 to $300 a month. That is normally what's seen. I think $300 is freaking ridiculous. If somebody's charging $300, they better have a PhD and be putting out pro cards like a crazy person. But um, besides that, so you have your coach. Then you have your heels, which typically are $35 to $50. Um, check out Amazon, Ellie, for those th- $35 ones. Um, then you have a suit. I normally suggest either buying a used or a rent renting one or buying a new one because suits can cost from and that is like with little crystallization up to $600 up to thousands of dollars. It is insane. It is insane. I get my suit from Ravish Sands and it is probably $500. Thank God I don't have to pay for that. I can't even imagine that. Um, I'm very thankful to be sponsored by Ravish Sands but um, yeah it's expensive. And then you have your show registration which is normally $100 up to $150 per class. So if you're doing two classes and they charge you $100 per class, you're paying $200 for that. And then you have your NPC registration fee and that is 120 or 125, I don't really remember, but you have to pay that every single year. And then you have your tan which is normally about $140 or $150 for your tan. You can self spray tan and that will be less expensive however you have to be good at it and you don't need smudges and to ruin all your hard work because you decided to skimp on paying somebody to tan you um, the next thing that you have to pay for of course is food which if you were me you pay like all your money on food um, and then you have the hotel which is normally um, it depends if you skimp out and you do the host hotel. You don't have to stay at the host hotel. But normally 100 to $300 a night. And then that's not even including, you know, travel. And then the um, show, if you have any friends or family coming, it's normally $25 pre-judging, $30 to $40 for um, finals. So competing is expensive. Expensive, Like, holy crap. And it takes a lot of time. So if you want to compete, make sure you're doing it for you. Make sure you have the finances in order to do that. You understand that you're not going to make money off of competing unless it leads to like a sponsorship or um, it, it's something like, a marketing for your own coaching um, you're not gonna make money because you win first place you're probably not gonna make money even if you go win a pro show because a lot of the pro shows still don't even pay everybody um, a lot of the times you have to reach those big shows like the Arnold the Olympia the um, Arnold Australia to even make like 15 grand so um, competing is not gonna be to make money it's going to be to spend money no doubt couldn't compete without my sponsors so thank you to pe science and bodybuilding.com and ravish sands for always loving me believing in me and helping to take care of me so next topic is going to be cardio for building muscle and burning fat so you actually can build muscle and burn fat together. It is seen in the literature. However, this is an extremely hard process. It takes 100% dedication and consistency with your food and your workouts and your cardio. And this means that you are on point. So you are lifting weights. You are eating correctly. And typically what happens is you were able to build muscle and then burn the fat in a um, program. So in a few weeks span of months or weeks time. Um, It doesn't mean that you're going to always gonna be able to do it it normally happens for new lifters um, you'll see them build muscle and lean out at the exact same time which is awesome but it is seen less in advanced lifters so this can happen for cardio I typically suggest sticking to HIT because HIT has been shown that it can help build muscle so sticking to HIT and then staying in your maintenance caloric intake around there is what you would want to do for that I do have to mention too that a lot of times people think. Somebody is building muscle and losing fat at the exact same time. But in reality, they had the muscle. They're just losing the fat. And then with the fat off, it makes them look bigger. It makes them look like they have more Well, it makes them look like they built muscle, but really that muscle is just being shown and shed from that body fat. So I'm gonna end this podcast here because it's at 21 minutes and I don't want this to be too long. I want these podcasts to be able to be something that you can listen to in your car or doing your cardio or maybe doing your warmup of your lifts. So hopefully I got to some of those important questions for you guys and you were able to learn something. Uh, I will be doing another Q and A probably this month, so look for that to be able to shoot me your questions. I know I need to go over. There was a question about fiber intake and another about balancing fitness in your life. So I will get to those questions. Thank you guys so much again for listening and um, joining me today on Uplift Fit Nutrition Radio. Make sure you check out my Instagram at Faith and Fit. My website www.upliftfit.org and that you tweet me your questions and you share my podcast I want to help share the information that I'm giving you guys and hope that it can reach a multitude of different people and populations and we can spread the scientific knowledge in the world of fitness and nutrition I hope you guys have a fantastic night that you learned something and we'll see you guys in my next podcast